Hi, Steve. Uh, this is Ira, Ira from Ira on Sports. Uh, we're talking about your book, We Will Rise, um, about the Evansville tragedy in 1977. Uh, first of all, what inspired you to write this book? I mean, we heard about the We Are, you know, we Are Marshall and that book with uh, Matthew McConaughey, the movie. But uh, really, the Evansville tragedy has not been talked about as much, and considering it, it was uh, horrendous, and the entire Evansville basketball team perished in a, in a plane accident. But what motivated you right now to write this book? Yeah, well, I grew up in Evansville, uh, a couple of blocks from the University of Evansville campus, and this has always been um, a, a, a a major moment in my life, uh, as it is as it is for um, my friends, my siblings, anyone who lived in Evansville at the time, and I wanted to uh, get as much of it uh, on the his- historical record as I could. Yeah, the one thing that was interesting in the book is that you spent time talking about Aaron McCutcheon, who was the coach, from 46 to 77, and the fact that Evansville competed in the college division, which is like Division Two, but they had won five national titles, had, but actually played schools like UCLA and, 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 and won and went, won in those games, and that it was like the pro team in that town for Evansville, that the, the arena was filled with 7,400 people, and, and you really brought about fact, the fact how it was such a big deal in Evansville, the basketball team team was so crucial to that that town yeah it was really a huge institution in in evansville i mean it was a university with only 2500 or so students a private school um affiliated with the methodist church um and yet you know the entire town was uh behind uh the basketball program and I wanted to make clear, as clear as I could, um, just how much this catastrophe, um, you know, rocked my hometown. It was, it was uh, like, it was unfathomable to us. Um, and establishing uh, the basketball program's place uh, within the community is very important. I mean, one of the aspects of the book was that in 1977, McCutcheon reti- re- retired, and at the same time, they're recruiting a player, Mike Doff, who was going to be the, the greatest player to ever play at Evansville. 112 schools, you said, were, were after him. Indiana State wanted him to be the next Larry Bird, all those things. So he was in play in terms of where he was going to go, and McCutcheon retired. They, bring a, they brought in Jerry Sloan. Right? People might remember him as the Utah Jazz coach, as the coach for eight days, and then and then and then then he resigned after eight days, and uh, they bring in Bobby Watson. So talk about what Bobby Watson and when he you know so he suddenly in seventy seven the new coach of the team what he brought to the school. Well, I think that you know after um, Jerry quit, uh, people were just they couldn't believe it. I mean, it had seemed like uh, for years that he was going to come back and coach the team once um, A-Rad retired, uh, and he he did accept the job, and then he quit. So um, I think everybody was taken aback by that. But when Bobby Watson arrived, you know, he swept the city off its feet. Uh, he was uh, very charismatic, uh, good-looking, 6'8". Uh, um, he, uh, he's 34 years old, and he brought a lot of energy and enthusiasm to uh, the program and to the city. So in the limited time he was there, he was a very popular guy. 
And then you talk about how Mike Doff went to Missouri, but Watson was able to get him to to renege on his commitment to Missouri and, and come to Evansville to to actually sign with Evansville. Yeah, that's kind of a strange a strange part of it because um, you know uh, Mike really really did not want to go to Missouri. It was clear um, uh, as the way he told it at the time. Uh, Norm Stewart and his assistants. Uh, you know, came to his house in El Dorado and essentially um, forced him to sign, and he just wanted to get it over with, uh, but he knew he had made a mistake. And so once uh, I think Bobby Watson found out that um, Mike uh, was still potentially available, I think that uh, Bobby started making some trips over to El Dorado. And... um, you know, that is sort of how the process played out. Mike eventually uh, reneged on his uh, letter of intent with Missouri and signed with Evansville. And that was a huge, huge moment because it suggested that in Division One, Evansville would be able to compete with the best for the best players in the country. Right, because that in 77, they were actually moving with uh, up to Division I. They changed from college to university division, but they were then going to be in the university division playing with all the big-time schools. But And then and talk about the first year. They only played, was it four games? And, and the game before the plane crash, they had played Larry Bird and Indiana State in a, in a huge game when Indiana State was ranked, I think, number eight, you said in the book at the time. Yeah, they played, uh, that was, Oh, gosh, was that on the 12th or the 11th? I can't remember. But they did play. Uh, they played Indiana State. Larry Bird had a phenomenal game, just a, a dominant game. Uh, and Indiana State uh, um, just absolutely buried Evansville. And I think that was a real eye-opener for uh, Bobby Watson because he felt um, his team was not prepared to play. And so when he convened practice uh, um, the next day or so, uh, he was still angry and he still felt they weren't ready to play. And he kicked them all out of practice, um, I think, the day before they got on the plane. Wow. And, it's, and you mentioned in the book that Aaron McCutcheon was a coach for 30 years. He, he bust everywhere. But when Bobby came, he wanted to be big time. So even so they were playing Middle Tennessee State, and normally they would probably just bust to that because it wasn't that far away. But that and because they were, you know, Watson wanted to appear to be more a big time school that they flew. So talk about a little about what, you know, what you were able to piece together and, and all the evidence about what happened that night with the flight. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think that Bobby Watson wanted to show that this was a big time program. He wanted recruits to know that you know uh, they were going to play the best teams like DePaul and Indiana State uh, in those first four games, and also that the accommodations were going to be fantastic. So, um, so they 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 flew. The plane was late that afternoon on December thirteenth. It was three hours late. Uh, when it finally arrived, it was a it was a charter plane, a private plane. Finally arrived, um, the crew uh, just tossed all of the luggage in the back of the plane, uh, and the uh, and did not uh, make all the uh, mechanical checks that it should have, um, including uh, taking these locks off of the uh, off of the wings. So the plane was unbalanced. Too much luggage in the back, and these locks made it so that the pilot uh, 
um, was not able to uh, properly steer the plane. So they took off. Um, they could never get much altitude. Uh, they the 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 plane, uh, you know, clipped the top of some trees. I believe a street light. Uh, the pilot was heading back to the airport for um, uh, uh, an emergency landing when uh, the plane just lost altitude and uh, dropped into a ravine and exploded. And uh, it was just, and as you said on the book, there was 29 passengers, the whole basketball team, but I, you, you mentioned in the book how there was one survivor, but that he was not, he didn't, one of the, I think it was one of the student managers, but then he didn't survive by the time he got to the hospital. Um, I think that it was Greg, I think it was Greg Smith who had been a walk-on, um, and he was still alive. There were four people still alive when the first doctor, who was a neighbor, uh, ran, ran down there. Um, and then three died at the scene. Greg Smith was taken by ambulance to the hospital and um, died five minutes before his parents arrived. That's terrible. We're talking to Steve Beaven about We Will Rise, about the Evansville basketball team, the tragedy in 1977. Um, you spent a time in your book of talking about there were, there were like the assistant coaches who weren't on the plane, not everybody a part of the team. There was a manager that didn't make the trip. There was a couple of players that were injured that didn't make the trip. So, I mean, they sort of, you know, it's a, it's, you know sort of escaped death almost by not uh, being on that trip. And, and you followed how that affected them from the, uh, from the accident. Yeah, the, the two of the, I think all of the, Bobby Watson was the only coach on the plane. Um, uh, one was uh, recruiting in Florida and, and learned about the crash uh, when he picked up the newspaper the next day. Uh, one was um, recruiting in uh, Kentucky and planning to drive down the next day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a life-changing event for, um, you know, everyone close to the program. And, um, you know, it affected everybody in different ways, but it, it was a life-changing event. Well, and then, of course, after a tragedy like this, and, and you, you talked about the funerals and how everybody was going to the funerals, it was horrendous to read all this. And, and, but the school decided to continue with the program uh, for the next year, and then they hired a coach called uh, Dick Walters, who was 30 years old. Uh, to resurrect an entire program that had lost all the players, recruits everybody except, as I said, the two assistants. So talk about the decision to hire Walters and what Walters brought to that program and trying to resurrect it. Yeah, I think, you know, Dick was 30 years old. He was crazy ambitious. Um, he had always wanted a Division One head coaching job. And, you know, I think uh, he basically promised to pour um, – every bit of himself into rebuilding the basketball program. Um, and he turned some folks in Evansville off. They felt like he was um, kind of like, uh, tried to act like a big city guy, uh, that he was, he was arrogant. Um, and, and, you know, to an extent he was, he would probably admit that um, today that he was, but uh, he, my, I believe that they really needed, somebody with an edge like that to really turn it around. And, um, you know, Dick had that edge and, uh, he was willing to do, you know, everything within the rules 
to uh, uh, to rebuild the program, and he did. Yeah, and you talked about how the NCAA waived transfer rules, so he had to bring in recruits, he had to get transfers, he did everything. But he did amazing. I mean, 1980, they played UCLA and, and almost lost, and, and even 1980 and 81, 19-9, and you traced how the team just got better and better, and it culminated in 81 and 82 when they were 23-6. and six. Uh, They beat Loyola in the tournament, the Midwestern Conference tournament, to make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, And about that, it just just the it's really interesting in the book how you showed in those three years how he was able to really build that team up and how the players developed and how the players a lot of these you know these none of these players were there at Evansville, but they knew about the tragedy. But they were sort of Walters had to walk that fine line between going to the future but also remembering the past. Yeah, he he always said that. you know, he didn't want um, everybody to uh, forget the crash, but that, uh, that uh, you know, w- w- to rebuild the program, we all needed to move on. Um, and so, yeah, the players, you know, many of them did not have a clue about Evansville's history. One example is Brad Leaf. He was a six-five shooting guard, uh, a little slow, but a great shooter. He is the dad of the Evansville Pacers, uh, T.J. Leaf. And it was really Brad uh, uh, really sort of grew into the city. Um, He went to Evansville because he knew he could play immediately. Um, But by his senior year, he really felt like he owed the city. And he he wanted to win. Uh, He wanted to give something back to Evansville. Um, uh, because the city had uh, supported his team so well. Wow, and then you, you you spent some time talking about, I didn't know, I didn't remember if they had won or lost the game, but uh, they played Marquette in the first round. And Doc Rivers, who is the coach of the Clippers, is uh, was the player, star player for Marquette at the time. And you and you showed, it was interesting, it was at that year of the tournament in 82, Michael Jordan's North Carolina team was the number one seed, and they played right before Phi Slamma Jamma, the, the Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler team. So there was all these you know, famous players and everything, but Evansville played in a game against Marquette and, and it was great, you know, a tremendous game, and that they barely lost at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, but basically, I was trying to show uh, you know, that uh, to put Evansville, um, this tiny college, in the context of you know the major powers of of college basketball at the time, um, and uh, they did play some big games. Um, in the end, the fact that they lost uh, to Marquette, I think, doesn't even doesn't even matter, because uh, really the larger the larger issue, the larger thing, and uh, is is the tradition of the program, and the fact that you know it, people were crazy about that team. You know, uh, five thousand people came uh, to the airport to greet them after their second-to-last game of the season uh, in sub-freezing temperatures. Uh, they couldn't all fit uh, uh, in, the, in the, the area outside, so the line snaked through the, uh, the airport, through the terminal, and out, and out to the front. Um, you know, 12,000 people a game. Uh, it was a, a really incredible season. Um, and I think, you know, nothing will make up for the crash, um, especially for those who lost um, uh, sons or husbands or brothers. Um, 
but the 82 season was something special for Evansville. And then we're talking to Steve Beaven, who wrote the book We Will Rise about the Evansville basketball team tragedy uh, and, and, and rebirth, really, because you spent half the book talking about how the team was did come back and, and, and make the NCAA tournament. And, and you, you know, it was, it was interesting to see how they, they played. You had them playing DePaul uh, and almost lost that game, breaking their 67-game win streak when they were number three in the country. But I was shocked at the end how Dick Walters, who had resurrected this program in 1985, they said they he was the president fired him from his job, even though he signed because he didn't sign to Wisconsin. But he's he, he after 85 fired him and he never coached again after that 85 season. I was just amazed to read that. Yeah, it is kind of amazing. Dick regrets to this day, I think, that he didn't take the Wisconsin job uh, because it was, you know, they were it was the program was, uh, you know, horrific uh, up in Madison, but it would have been perfect for him. He was a master rebuilder and um, he had all of these uh, contacts in the Midwest and, and uh, as you know, in terms of recruiting, um, I, he applied for other jobs. I know he was a finalist um, at, at, at at least one other school, um, but uh yeah, he was he was fired from Evans Hill in '85 and never coached again. So again, well, Steve, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, your book is "We Will Rise." It's a great read. I mean, you're an excellent author. Uh, it's something as we're you know, we're in the middle of college basketball season right now, and I just loved how you captured the fact that Evansville basketball team was that. I mean, it was like their basketball team, the football team, the hockey team. It was that team, and how the town rallied around. It. And I thought that it was great with your writing style, how you were able to to bring that all together. Oh, great! Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Steve.